the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad to have you here today. And we are going to be talking about a hot topic and one that is likely impacting you or someone you know, which is the great regret. And Tom, this is a topic that you've been hearing a lot about lately. You've been talking to some clients who went through the great resignation, resigned, got a new job, and then found out that the grass wasn't greener on the other side. So my guest today, Thomas Towner, is a LinkedIn profiles expert. He's also a resume writer, runs a company that helps people find their next work. And Tom has also been a recruiter. And so we get a great perspective when we hear from Tom. Tommy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a topic that I'm seeing a lot lately. And I, I, I still have a recruiting firm and I got the career services. So I'm hearing it, seeing it and feeling it from my clients from both sides of the spectrum. So, yeah. um, you know, companies that are looking to fill those gaps and also people that have been leaving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and the grass is greener syndrome. You know, people just assume the grass is greener and, you know, they're going on these job interviews and uh, quickly making these decisions without doing any, any, um, any research, any um, networking to make sure they're not getting into a, a worse position or what they perceive might be a better position. I, I got a few examples. I had a national director of sales. He, he was um, going into a position where he would be managing 32 states and about 85 sales territory managers. When he started, um, from the time he interviewed to the time he started, 39 sales territory managers were new, uh, less than 90 days um, new, um, and he just had a big hurdle. He couldn't. It was hard for him to make any ground in anything because he had all new staff. Uh, same thing with a, a 911 dispatch manager. When she got hired, it was 40% open hiring, and the people that were there were working six-hour days, 10, 12 hours. So she was getting herself into a really tough position to get started with. This is very common, um, common I'm hearing out there. Yeah, not doing their research, and then I'm sure we'll explore a few other things that are going on. But are you seeing this happen uh, across the board? Is there a certain type or, or level of client that you're seeing more often that's doing this kind of switch and regret? For me, I think it's more the middle managers, the, the middle level. Um, and, and that's the biggest turnover in a lot of companies is that middle level that, you know, companies are desperate to hire somebody. So they might not be doing the due diligence and recruiting. And those people that are looking for jobs are not doing the right research. According to the survey by Jobvite, the most recent survey, they're saying 30% of new employees leave their job in the first 90 days, which is really um, pretty um, pretty sad. So um, that's a lot of people. And then moving around to another job and then get himself into a similar situation. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and, I saw that data, the 30%, and I'll have to go back and see if they had any um, historical data to see if that is you know, increased consistently or increased significantly with the, the 
the great resignation or not. Um, I had researched some data right. earlier, about six months ago, that the resignations weren't actually that much higher in 2021 than they were in 2019 or something like that. So just interesting that it comes in waves, right? Um, but yes. what are you seeing as some of the other reasons that people aren't happy once they get that new job? How, what other things are they finding out when the grass isn't greener? Well, first, the day-to-day role was not as expected. And this is something they should ask more intuitive questions during the job interview. Because I know for a fact a lot of job postings and job descriptions are very different than the day-to-day activity and responsibilities. So um, I actually quoted in that job writer that 41% of people um, left because the, the day-to-day job was totally different than they wanted than when they were hired. Or they're getting into a bad situation where they had their job and now they're doing a job of the coworker who left three weeks ago. So that's, that's one of the main reasons. Um, and another one is just a really bad experience with this onboarding. Um, the company culture was not what was as expected. Um, you know, company had, you know, advertised one type of culture and it was totally different. Um, and then a lot of people are saying just unsatisfactory company leadership, which could be a combination of a lot of things that's going on in the company with being short staffed as, as a company as a whole. Mm. Interesting. And so what are some of the things that you're recommending um, people do You've said a few things, but what can they do to do that research before they jump? Well, before they jump, they should do some research. And there's some websites, and sometimes you have to take it with a grain of salt, like like Glassdoor would give you a list of employee reviews. So look for trends. Don't take one review and run with it. If there's 30 reviews, look for trends that have the company treats the employees and their own experience. I always advise my clients when I do um, interview coaching with them, you know, look at LinkedIn, you know, connect to people that used to work at the company, reach out. You might have some of your network or make new connections and ask for a 10 minute phone conversation and try to get some insights to what the company was. And you actually do this with people that currently work at the company to see what the current status is. Um, That's what LinkedIn's there. I mean, it's powerful, and you you know, find these people and connect with them and have a conversation or or some email exchange. Um, I always, uh, always um, advise clients to do that. Um, Even on LinkedIn, if you have a premium account, the JobSeeker account, you could actually see the average tenure of um, people that work at that company. And the company has low tenure Mm -hmm. with less than two years. Um, that could be a sign that there's a lot of turnover and people are just leaving in droves. Um, you know, so I always, always advise people to look at 10 years that are, you know, over three years roughly. And again, sometimes that in exact science, but all these clues can give you some insights to, you know, ask different questions during a job interview. Um, and, um, you know, when you're doing a job interview, um, X what the day-to-day responsibilities are because the person who's hiring you might know the job better than a person who posted the job. Sadly, larger companies that disconnect from um, the manager that you'd be reporting to to what the job posting said could be quite different. So having those conversations, uh, those are just some quick um, pieces of advice to to get a better um, window into what job you're getting yourself into. You can actually ask questions about the team retention, the team dynamics how experienced is the team you're going to be leading or being a part of? 
Um, you know, even ask about the onboarding, you know, what type of training program support they have. There's a lot of different conversations and questions you can ask the interviewer to get a better sense of what's going on in the company you're going about to join. Hmm. Yeah, so just being aware of what's going on and uh, asking those great questions in the interview um, and really thinking about why you're making the move in the first place. What is it that you want more of? Um, what is it that you don't want? I find that people oftentimes don't really do that self-reflection before they even start the process. And when you don't know what you're looking for, even asking those great questions, you may not you may not know what you're looking for, so then you're not going to know when you hear it or see it. Exactly. You, you need to do that self-discovery and see what's really important, especially if you currently have a job. Yeah, that grass is green. I would like a lot of clients that I do coaching with, you know, when you start talking about it, they're in a pretty decent place, but they hear all these opportunities out there. So they want to foam or fear of missing out. They don't want to miss out of an opportunity. But when you start coaching and speaking to them, they're really in a good place. So salary might be in a, 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 something they want. That doesn't mean you can't actually go to your current employer and ask for a raise and, and have that conversation. Because a lot of companies are giving um, stay-on bonuses and giving raises to the current employees because they're afraid of losing employees. So if you're a good employee and you feel you work more and you could talk about that in an intelligent way, there's a good chance you could get a, a raise and even a stay-on bonus. Um, there'd be some strings attached to the stay-on bonus, but that could be a good option for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, let's, we could dive into that a little bit more on terms of what people could think about before they go looking. Um, right. What should people do if they've already made a move? Let's say, you know, these clients you're working with where they made a move and um, they figure out that it's not the best fit. What could they do if they need to stay? I mean, we're at a place right now where there's layoffs going on. They may or may not want to make a move right now, even though they're unhappy. What do you help people with if they, um, you know, they may, may not be able to move right away? Well, you need to analyze the situation in, you know, even in when things are normal, whatever that means these days, when things are normal, I always uh, coach clients, sometimes they can take you six months before your new job feels like home. Um, you know, you're going through changes. You could have been leaving a company you were there for 15 years and going to a, a new company. You have to build those relationships. You got to understand how the company culture works and how the systems work and the people you could trust and, and bridge and build those relationships. That takes time. So I do coach people, um, you know, you know, give it some time. If it's a situation where the health is being impacted and under a lot of pressure and they, they just feel there's no way out, um, then sometimes you have to actually maybe be assertive and, and then look for something. Um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a sticky situation to be in, but um, sometimes your new boss has to you know, build trust with you. So there's a lot of dynamics when you join a new company, and sometimes you just got to give it a little more time. And a lot of my clients that feel that way when they give it that six, seven months, they come back and say, okay, I found my footing. I'm making an impact. I feel part of the team. Um, so people sometimes expect to walk in and in a few weeks hit the ground running. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so during that time, they can uh, have some maybe conversations with their boss and being be a little bit more 
cognizant of the um, what they're doing in addition to maybe having some better conversations with the people around them. Yeah, definitely. Lots of times your direct boss is, you know, having some issues and has a lot of challenges. And sometimes if they're new in a company, you have to put yourself in their position and sometimes be a little more sensitive to what everyone is going through. But there are some situations where you get into a job that is just not the right fit for whatever reason. And sometimes you got to, you know, restart a job search. I mean, I'm a perfect example. Well, not really. I mean, back in the 90s, I had three jobs in about 10 weeks. And that wasn't because I wasn't unhappy. Is I just had a job search that took a little bit longer for certain jobs to come to surface. And I kept taking a job and a better one I wanted came along until the one I really wanted came along. So I did resign in uh, two different jobs. And then I took the third job that I really wanted. So sometimes that's part of the process too. A company really wanted never came through, but they come through when you already started a, a new job. So a lot of things can happen when you start a new job, um, but sometimes being patient is, is sometimes a, the best approach. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, that it, it um, may not be exactly what you thought it was, but that doesn't mean that it's something you have to get out of right away. <laughs> Right. And also, you know, if you go into a, a, a team or something and it's kind of broken and you can see it's broken and you can understand what needs, what, what needs to happen to get a fix, well, you could become a hero. You know, sometimes we, we're being hired because we could do a certain job, but we're being hired because we could be part of a bigger solution. So, um, and that's always a good thing, too, to be part of a solution. And sometimes those solutions could take a while to, you know, to surface and to take place. But, you know, speak up, you know voice your suggestions and, and, and see what sticks. I mean, a lot of people become scared sometimes in a new job. They kind of revert back and kind of be quiet and timid. So sometimes, depending on the dynamics, you could actually voice your opinions and, and help make things happen. Right. And then that would be a story that you have to tell later um, about your resilience and grit and all of those great terms that people are are throwing around right now you could actually have a story that demonstrates that if you hang in there and um, and make that commitment not to, as you said, not to sacrifice your health and all of those things. You want to be careful with right. that, um, but to, to realize that if you stay in and make a difference, it gives you an opportunity that maybe you wouldn't have um, if, you, if you jump ship too quickly here. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll dive into this topic a little bit further. I also want to talk a little bit more about how to um, maybe prevent some of our own personal ways and styles and, and issues from causing us to make a jump when we don't really need to. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back in just a few minutes. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant and today we're talking with Tom Pounder about how you can navigate the great regret if you've made a move and you figure out it's not what you want to be doing, then how do you make sure that you make the best of where you are perhaps and then don't jump into the, the a bad situation in your next move. And Tom, you told us a few stories. Don't know if you have any other examples that you would share of, of people that have done this and kind of why and what happened? Well, I, I mentioned uh, that um, the client of mine who, um, from the career service side, he, he became a uh, national director of sales, and he had um, 32 of the 85 um sales reps, uh, or 39 that were brand new. Um, he did stick with the company. This story is about five years, uh, five, five months old. Um, and I had a conversation with him about a week ago. And he's saying it's night and day from when he started. Um, he was able to make some impact. So he would be patient. And he, he took on the, um, the issue he thought he couldn't, when we first spoke, when he first took the job, to actually making it work. So um, he should be on the right track. So it's not end all if you get into a situation. And we sometimes panic and we think, oh, what did I get myself into? And we just keep thinking about the negatives. And again, like I said earlier, sometimes we're hired to solve these problems. So um, he took that approach and he's he's doing well. Um, A few other stories I had, the people are still in panic mode, and some some of my clients have moved on to the next job. I even had someone um, who was going to work for a healthcare call center, and there was 42 people in the call center, and there was 12 open hiring recs when she started, and eight new team members. So half the team was um, brand new, and she's still having trouble filling those positions. Um, so um, again, I really do think sometimes you just got to give it the extra time that uh, it needs to to nurture and and get into the position we thought we were hired for. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, yeah, I love it, that it, idea of being it, patient and asking questions and um, trying to work it out. Yeah, definitely be upfront and you know be honest with your new bosses. 
you know, and, and, and I think a lot of this could be avoided in the initial stage because we're a third party recruiter. So um, we're doing that initial interviews and, and most people just don't ask any questions in any round of interviews. So ask those probing questions, you know, just highlight um, what you're getting yourself into, you know, ask about the team, ask about, you know, you go on LinkedIn, you actually look at the leadership team and see how long they've been with the company. And that could give you a sense of, Ask them, you know, what was your experience when you joined a company three months ago? Or they could be with the company for 20 years. You know, have those conversations with the, your future bosses and the people you'll be working with. You'd be surprised how much you open up when you ask questions about them in the company. A lot of people will just open up and share the, um, their experience. Yeah, that's a great idea, of course, having those conversations. And as you said, with people that are there or people that have worked there recently, even if they've left. Um, to do that research and actually talk to people. I had a, one of my colleagues knew someone that was interviewing at a job and it was a bunch of, you know, men that interviewed her and she started to get kind of a, a vibe. And so she asked if she could talk to one of the other women that worked there because there's women on the leadership team on the website, but she had yet to right. meet a woman when she was interviewing. And um, I think they kind of gave her the brush off and it was like, okay, not taking that job, <laughs> right? You can get the feel for, hey, that's not going to be a good place for me if I, if they're, maybe these women are made up, they won't let me talk to any of them, right? Well, that's a perfect example. And sometimes we just have to go with a gut, you know, we have a gut feeling. Um, you know, I'm a I'm, I'm a actually good example of you know getting into a job that wasn't what I my last company I worked for before. So the career thinker, um, when I was interviewed, the job sounded like a perfect match for me. But when I started there, um, you know, the logistics were you know two weeks behind. There was 15 trailer load of product that hasn't been touched that was entered in. It was just it was a real mess. Um, I walked myself into, and the person who was leaving the company was training me, and she just didn't train me for the last week she was there. She just went for four-hour lunches. So I was, like, handed the keys to um, something I could, thought I'd just go in and manage, but I had to fix so many problems. Um, I was upfront about my bosses. I, I, we created a plan. We worked a couple weekends. We got a buy-in. We got people from other centers to come over and spend a few days. It took about three months to get all caught up, then I was able to start, you know, creating better systems and stuff. But um, it worked out. I was there for almost 12 years, and I got promoted twice. So um, if I didn't feel that confident, I I could have walked away. I really could have walked away, but I didn't. So that's me being patient and and looking at the greater good. Yeah, and oftentimes, like you said, things aren't what they seem. But also, we need to be realistic with ourselves. I hired for a job. (laughs) It was at the university, but it was a very, um, it was a busy job. It was kind of two people's positions put together, and it used Excel a lot. We were tracking graduate student applications, and at that point, we were doing that in Excel, and we were, you know, and so I asked the person, do they like to be busy? Do they like to have, you know, a lot to do? And they said, oh, yeah. And then I asked them, oh, you know, do you know how to use Excel? And they said, oh, yeah. And they maybe even gave me some examples. And this was my um, lesson as a hiring person to, you know, do some kind of actual sit down with the person and have them show me that because the person got hired. And then in the first couple of days of the job, I was training and I said, oh, you know, yep, here's an Excel. And then, and she was like, well, how do I get to that cell? Oh, my goodness. 
It's like this revelation <laughs> that you could hit enter and move down a row in Excel. And um, she ended up making it like three or four, I'm not kidding. She made it three or four weeks in the job and then took a leave of absence for her health because the job was too busy for her. She felt overwhelmed. And I just thought, oh, man, you know, when someone tells you what something is, listen, right? I mean, I told her very clearly what it was. And um, I don't know, I guess maybe just not enough self-awareness or really wanted to get right. out of where she was. But, but that didn't, it didn't work out for any of us. Yeah, and that's the challenge with recruiting. As a third-party recruiter, you know, I have a certain time period if a, if a person leaves or get fired that I have to replace a position for free. So this um, people leaving a lot sooner than they typically do is, you know, <laughs> it's very, it's very um, hard for us. Um, so we try to do a due diligence when recruiting even more so than ever because if someone, you know, claims certain things, we really need to push and make sure they, they're coming with the level of skill that we need. Um, and that's why some people complain about you, you go through three or four different interviews for a position. Um, sometimes we just need to do that to make sure we're hiring the best fit person. But sometimes if that takes too long, you're juggling a few other job offers. So it's a very, it's a very different market right now for the past eight months. I've never seen it like this in, the, in my 12, 13 years in, in career thinker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, and it is hard for people when they've got a lot of interviews. And, um, you know, what would you recommend for people when they're going through that many rounds of interviews? How do they keep positive about it and keep doing the, the research and asking these questions? Because you're right, I'm hearing a lot about that, and, and candidates are a little worn down by it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation for both parties. Uh, unfortunately, the our mental time frame from our job seeker to, um, you know, hiring somebody it can be very different. You know, a day or two could feel like a week or two when you're searching for a job. So sometimes it's perception. Um, but, you know, be assertive, not aggressive, you know, with the recruiters. And at the end of every interview, you know, just ask, when should I hear back? And then keep track of those dates. And they say you should hear back by next Monday and you don't, Tuesday morning, you can do a follow-up. You know, keep try to keep assertive about it in a nice way, um, and hopefully that will speed up some of the communications and for them to let you know what's going on. Uh, un unfortunately, um, a lot of companies already have someone in mind by the time they post a job publicly, and they will still interview a handful of people to be compliant with the hiring practices. So you might be part of that pool. And if you're assertive, hopefully you get an answer quicker saying, we decided to go with someone internally. And that means they most likely had that person on the hit list already and maybe even offer the person a job before they release a job posting. So that's a cycle we get in, you know, in, in the job market sometimes. Right. Well, one of the things, I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm hearing people say, you know, all these, there's all these interviews, there's tons of interviews. But what I'm hearing when I ask more detailed questions is that what companies seem to be doing is having one-on-one -on -one Zoom interviews. So instead of getting the whole team together, I'll have 10 interviews because I'm interviewing with 10 different people on the team. But it's not really 10 interviews. Well, it is to the candidate, but it isn't really to the company. It's one interview, but instead of doing the whole team as once, they're doing as individual interviews. Are you seeing some of that or, as well or anything else that's contributing to just the increase in the number of interviews? 
Well, you, you're saying they're doing like four interviews back to back, half hour on a Zoom call, and handing it over to the next well, person be, or a group interview. Well, no, they'll be spread out. Like, let's say I've got a team of four engineers. Instead of interviewing with those four engineers all in a group, what seems to be happening is I'm scheduling with each engineer separately. And so I've got now four different interviews, and they may be all over the board in terms of when they are, but it's not really four, you know, it's not like four levels of interviews. It's just I'm interviewing with this team one-on-one instead of as a team. Yeah, I am seeing more of that, and that's because of this remote environment uh, that we're in. Because you know, typically, if all these people you went to be were in an office, you could do a group interview or do you know back-to-back interviews and, and knock everything out in a couple hours of one day. Um, I, I am seeing some companies that are a little more intelligent about that, and they'll have um, you know a, a two-hour block on a Zoom call, whatever technology they're using, and they'll have four half-hour interviews, and those people will be in a waiting room. Um, and the, you know, but it's sometimes hard to organize that in a remote environment. So, um, but yes, I am seeing that um, that's taken the interview process a little bit longer. Yeah, and it's interesting because, of course, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, it is more interviews and it's more time and all of those things, but it also is um, maybe easier for everyone, depending on the, you know, like in the engineering space, I can totally see that you've got more introverted right. people having the group interview, having it on Zoom, they're just not as good at that, perhaps. And so they decided to do them one-on-one. It's a little more challenging for the candidate. I get that. But you also may get a better interview because you're not trying to deal with a group on Zoom, especially if that group isn't great at being on Zoom. Yeah, I know. A lot of different dynamics right now. I mean, I missed... uh, um, the one-on-one personal interviews, which is it's really hard for me to do now because you know, where where we interview and what company do we work for. But when I was working in the field, you know, meeting the people and doing that handshake and stuff, yeah, I think a lot of recruiters and hiring managers kind of miss that, and that can be part of the dynamics, you know, of hiring people. We're not getting the full sense of the person through a video interview, and that can be part of why people are getting hired for the wrong company at the wrong position. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know, but I wonder if, you know, spreading them out helps or hurts. If there's those one-on-one interviews, then the team members all get a different answer, perhaps, and a different feel um, versus when they're doing it as a team and they all get to hear the same things. Very interesting things that we've got going on right now. Well, I think it's, it's a it's a bigger you know human culture experience or something, and we're going to be writing about this you know ten years down the road and what shifted, what shifted, and what worked, and what didn't work. It's it's really interesting. Um, but you know, I think people just need to be a little more patient. You know, be assertive, and I say assertive, not aggressive, because assertive is you know, you you, you want people to understand what you're going through and and try to get their help, and you know, and and then try to learn as much as you can. And sometimes after three, four, five months, everything clicks, and it starts feeling like home, and then you realize the decision you made was the right one. Right. No, I really appreciate that thought and just people being. Um, more thoughtful when they're making the interview and doing those things. As I said, I would back it up even a little bit further to realize what is it that's making someone want to move. And if you feel like you don't have work-life balance or, you know, there's something wrong with your leadership where you are, people don't like this. But I always recommend that you really look at what is your role in that. 
because sometimes work-life balance is because you're not being assertive. And so you feel like you're working all the time, but that's because you don't know how to set boundaries. If you don't fix that problem, you will just go to a new job and then hate the new job because the new job doesn't have work-life balance because guess what? It wasn't the job. It was you not being able to set boundaries. And if you don't like your leadership, is that the leadership or is that you have communication skills challenges? And if you don't fix those, you go to a new job and you'll hate the new boss and it'll be the new boss's fault. But it's because you didn't think about how your communication skills are factoring into that. So if especially people have made a jump and now find themselves in a bad situation again, take a good look at the common denominator there and what is going on for you, what parts of you might be contributing to that because otherwise you're going to jump again and have the exact same challenges in the new job, right? Yeah, 100% true. The old-fashioned way, put the pros and cons of the new job and the job you have right now, and you see some, you know, sometimes you see you're in a bad place, and sometimes you see you can get into a similar situation. And you're right, lots of times it could be things we could do different to take that work-life balance, you know. And sometimes saying no um, and putting it back on your boss's plate, you know, you want me to do this, I, I can't right now with my current workload, here's what I have, what could I put off so I could accommodate this new to-do list or something? You know, be open and honest about it. You'd be surprised your boss said, wow, you are too busy, um, let me give it to Jane. Or they might say, okay, let me give, you know, number two and five on your to-do list, let me give that to someone else. So yes, sometimes we create our own environments. Yeah. Well, tell Tom, 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 tell people how they can find you, where they can find you, if they are listening and want to learn more about how you might be able to help them through their process. Yeah, um, LinkedIn would be the best place to find me, Tom Pounder, P-O-W-N-E-R. There's very few Pounders on LinkedIn, so I'll probably be the first one that shows up when you search for my name, Tom or Thomas Pounder. So, um, um, you know, send me a message. We you know, do a quick review of your resume and LinkedIn and, and see, um, you know, see what the future could hold for you. Excellent. Well, Tom has done a great job sharing some information with you, what to think in your interviews, you know, what to ask questions, how to do that research. And if you are a coach, a resume writer who helps people with interviewing, Career Thought Leaders is going to be doing a session on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, but it'll also be available as a recording. So if you're listening to this later, you can still go get this session. And we're doing a session on preparing for today's interviews how to coach clients through virtual interviews, email salary negotiation, all the things that that you need to know for interviews today. And that session will be, as I said, available live um, Wednesday. And then as a recording, we always give you tons of worksheets and questions and coaching tools to really help your clients be ready to succeed and to vet their companies in those interviews today. So we'll take a short break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more on the coaching piece of it, whether you're coaching yourself or coaching other people, how can you make sure you're more successful in this kind of transition and in decision-making when you've made a jump or are thinking about making a jump. So we'll take a short break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. 
you can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back. And we were talking with Tom Powder about how you can do better research, make better decisions if you've gotten into a new job and you find out that it isn't quite what you wanted for yourself. How can you make that transition without hopefully (laughs) jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire once again? This is something that we're seeing a lot right now. As I said, some people are kind of coining this as the great regret where people make this transition and then they realize that it is not, um, it isn't what they thought it was. And so I'm going to take this a step back. I started to do this a, a little bit before, um, before the end of the last segment, but just to think about what is it that you really want? What is it that you want more of? Oftentimes that's harder and the easier one is to start with what do you want less of? What's not right? And as you're thinking about those items, and I would just kind of sit down and write them down. What isn't working for you? What seems to drain your energy? What, um, you know, what do you wish for in your work? What do you want more of? What do you want to do more of during your day? 
And as you are making those notes, to then sit down and really think about what is involved in this or what 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 comes together to create this. And that might be kind of a strange question, but if you're thinking that one of the things you want less of is, um, you know, maybe a team that doesn't work or that you're the one that's always doing all the work or um, that you don't have an understanding boss, um, whatever it might be, as you sit down and you make that list of things that don't work, maybe it's a task that you don't like to do, then thinking about, you know, what goes into that? What what are the pieces and parts of that? Who are the people involved in that? And what is your role in that? And really thinking about how could you make that different? And you might think about it in the context of where you are, even if you don't think you'll stay, because then you can put some action to it. So if I sit down and I really think about what is different or what do I want to be different about my work? And then I think about what is my role in that? And maybe even take a stab at making it better where I am. Now I'm building skill. I'm building this muscle that I can use when I go into my next role. So I can sit and I can think about, you know, what does this really look like for me? And what do I want it to look like? And how could I make that happen? And the goal there, again, is to really dig in and problem solve these challenges. Think about the skills, the communication, everything that might be needed to make it better before I make that move. And you know that, you know, we're talking about doing this because when I make the move, I likely will have to have some of those same discussions, even if it's a good fit, even if it's a good place to be, there's still going to be challenges. And oftentimes those challenges will be very similar to the challenges that I just left. Why? Because most companies have similar challenges and because it tends to be a pattern that we create that if we don't break, it isn't going to break itself. And this is so similar to relationships, right? That if you tend to get into bad relationships, people will tell you, you got to take some time to work on yourself because otherwise you just end up in the same type of bad relationship because it's a communication pattern. It's the things that we bring with us. It's the the way that we communicate with people it's the, you know, the energy that we put off that might attract some of those things to us. And if we're not having a, a really open exploration of what that looks like and what we want it to look like, what we will discover is that we have ended up um, just recreating that same conversation, that same relationship, right? And, and a work relationship is, is really no different than if we don't take a look and really examine where we are and, and what we're looking for and what we want to be different and how we are going to create that difference. 
then we end up just in the same place again as we were before. So just thinking about this for yourself and as you're you're coaching yourself or if you're working with clients, if you are a coach, to sit down and really understand those two areas. What is it that you want less of and what is your role in creating that where you are? And then what do you want more of and what could your role be in, in creating more of that, both where you are or where you're going? And we are in a, in a time where depending on your industry and your type of position, you may need to, uh, you know, you may need to stay where you are. There, the, the, off the, the work is switching, is shifting. The job market is shifting. What companies are doing is shifting. And um, there may not be as many opportunities for a little while. And we can sit and, and figure out how to make the most of where we are. And as Tom so greatly illustrated with his own story, when we do that, we might also find that we solve a problem, create a, an opportunity um, to be better and to contribute something greater and, and maybe even have a better story for that resume as we move into the next position. So it's not, it doesn't have to be a bad thing to just take a, a step and pause and consider how you might solve some of the problems where you are, even if you plan on leaving, because it's going to give you those skills to do that as you move forward. And this is really critical as a coach to help people slow down and consider what they're doing. And if you're, you know, the individual looking to make that job change to slow yourself down so that you don't make this mistake that ends up then costing you another jump in in the market um, or perhaps uh, being unemployed for a little bit because the market is shifting and things aren't what they used to be. So I'm going to just pause here and talk a little bit about this market shift that we're seeing and the number of layoffs that is happening. Um, obviously, we see them in the financial sector. It's not surprising, but I think they're bigger than people expected them to be with Wells Fargo and Rocket Mortgage and some of the big banks um, cutting their mortgage division significantly. If you're in that market, you may be thinking, you know, what what looks What's the next move for me? Uh, and also in you know the automotive kind of automotive sales industry, um, some of the other industrial industries, just because of the supply chain issues, they can't get supply, they can't make things, they can't make things, they can't sell things. So it, it becomes an issue of slowdown, not because there's necessarily a slowdown in the market but because there's a slowdown in being able to make those sales and generate the revenue that they need to maintain the, the number of employees. Also seeing some shifts in the tech space. Um, obviously, you know, crypto kind of goes up and down and causes all kinds of waves, but you're also seeing that tech shift in the, like Facebook. Facebook had huge losses because of Apple's box out, if you will. And so Facebook right now, Meta, has a firing uh, hiring freeze, and what will that do to the rest of the tax base? It'll be interesting to see how it may or may not impact other tech companies. 
and just the ways that things are um, things that are moving in that space because it was one of the hot spaces, right? It was super hot and people were doing really well in that space, didn't really get impacted at all by the 2020 uh, recession, if you will. And so the things that are are slowing down, we need to watch that. And we can also look at what are some of the things that are growing. And when I read these, you might think, oh, those are all entry-level jobs. And some of them, of course, may be. But also, these industries have all types of jobs, right? They employ people at all levels and are, and are having some level of openings at, at all levels. So fastest growing industries, um, kind of the most recent here in, in 2022 is airports, airport operations, not surprising, right? Tourism, people wanting to fly, that's off the hook right now. Um, you know, flights are, are full and things are moving in that direction, um, at least for a while. And travel is hot. In fact, three or four of the top things are are really based in travel. Um, also seeing growth in cybersecurity and cloud computing. So people that are in the tech space you know, if, if things are getting tight in one area, maybe there's a way to shift over to those areas. Um, data analytics, real estate. So if you're in that finance side of things, is there a way to shift um, maybe out of mortgage, but more into the data analytics, commercial, um, you know, commercial real estate, the shifts that are going on there, artificial intelligence. Again, you think about that and you say, I'm not a techie. They're looking for marketing people. They're looking for analytics type people, all different types of jobs that may be a good fit for you, even if you're not there. Um, pharmaceuticals, that's an interesting one. So pharmaceuticals and biotechnology, is there a way to use you know, your finance or tech skills in those industries if you're moving out of um, something like, like banking and we're in those cuts that happen there? Um, also seeing just some other layoffs going on, talk to, uh, you know, more of a, a publications company that is laying off. So I don't think this is the end. I think we'll see more of that and people will need to be ready to make those shifts. So that's what we do here on The Career Confidant. We talk about the skills that you need to stay afloat in your career or if you're coaching people, skills you can use to help them do that. We're always love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your suggestions. Feel free to send those to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And again, check out if you are a coach or a resume writer, we have a shop full of sessions for you that you can use to build your practice, your skills, or your business if you're if you do this as a business. And that's what we're there for, Career Thought Leaders, is to help you take your career forward as you help others do the same. But we will be back right here next week on The Career Confidant and look forward to talking about other skills and resources that you need to take control of your career. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. 
Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 